this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show, we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hi, and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilt, with the Relax Back UK show. This week I have some absolutely fabulous guests for you. First off, Doran Binder. He absolutely loves water like no one else I've ever come across. He's known as the Bearded Water Sommelier and supplies spring water from his pub, the Crag Inn, in the Peak District. So if we were to do a water tasting now, me and you, I'd blow your mind away in about 30 seconds with how incredible the world of water is. We cover an awful lot of important stuff including tea. Well, every time people come in and they have, they have a cup of tea, every single time people go, well, my tea doesn't taste as good as that at home. What tea bags are they? And they go, it's not the tea bags, it's the water. Then it's help for adolescents online, particularly girls. And this deals with pretty much everything with Joe Goodall and Jasmine Shembury of Luna. Go down the wrong hole in social media. You can get served up some really quite negative content and that really can make you spiral and especially at the age you know of of teenagers and adolescents like it's really can be quite damaging so we've always said we want to be a positive space so please do stick around for a great show and if you're listening on the podcast version please don't forget to subscribe and like thank you Doran Binder is an absolute advocate for water. He loves the stuff. He's known as the Bearded Water Sommelier. I really enjoyed chatting to him. And I started off by asking him, what is a water sommelier and how do you become one? Uh, Mike, when I started this journey, I, I, I had no idea either. I, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it existed. And in 2018, I just thought water was water. Uh, and then stumbled across Craig Springwater and the whole story that's happened since then. But what I realized very early on is that everything I'd been told about water all my life was completely incorrect. And, you know, we live in a country where I think we've been scarred by only fools and horses, Peckham Springs and water's water, mate. And that's how we appreciate. And that's that's the value we place on water. We give it no appreciation at all. So when I started bottling Craig Springwater early on and I was getting some unbelievable feedback from experts all around the world who could explain what made the water so special and unique. That's when I realized I needed to search. I needed to learn. I needed to understand what's going on in the world of water, because if I ever walked into my grandparents' house, God bless them, when they were alive with a bottle of water, my grandmother would have ripped my head off for being flash, because there's nothing wrong with tap. Well, actually, she was completely wrong. Well, that's how they viewed it. They just viewed water as water. And that's how I grew up, with no appreciation of water or understanding what the differences were. Okay, so now you have an appreciation of water because you are a water sommelier. But again, what is that? So basically what I can do, I spend a lot of my time doing water tastings with people who approach me or restaurants, hotels, and just going through waters and explaining the differences. It's a basic human right that should be taught in schools. So understanding the difference between what comes out of your tap and understanding the difference between, in the UK, natural mineral and spring water. And they are completely separate markets. You cannot confuse the two. Tap water is processed, municipal, man-made, laboratory water. 
different sources filtered by man, and then chemicals are added to the water to make it safer consumption. Processed sausage factory water comes out of your tap, which is why it smells of chlorine and tastes like a swimming pool. Natural mineral and spring water and naturally occurring water bottled at the source, controlled and regulated by trading standards and the local environmental Hang on. health agency. Before we get into all that, how do you become a sommelier? So, look, oh, you have to study. You... Sorry, you study. Yeah, so, you study. how long does it take? What do you study? <laughs> Chemistry. Sorry. What, Sorry. You know, what... Okay, so there there are a few different organisations globally that organise this. Um, one the one of them is a, an organisation called the Fine Water Society, and they're based in the United States. And it's Martin Rees and a guy called Dr. Michael Masher who set this up, and they run the Fine Water Society and the Fine Water Academy. So when I started bottling 2018, they I reached out to them, and they were incredibly helpful so how to long me. Does it take to become a sommelier? Like, could I Depend come on if I? Tend an yeah, afternoon yeah, course yeah. somewhere and then I'm one. No, 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 no. No, it will take you about probably about six months and it's online assessments all done through the Fine Water Society. So, we, you know, with technology today, it's all yeah. mainly assignments and, and tests online. Um, and what are the topics you study? Within the course? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, the source of the water, different sources of natural water, the differences between waters, TDS, total dissolved solids, minerality composition, food pairing, food matching, food contrasting, writing water menus for restaurants. So looking at taste. So you must get pretty heavily into chemistry and stuff like that. No, because it's more of the minerality. So because it's organically, so what happens is as natural water filters through geology, it's picking up the minerality of that geology, which yeah. is why these 60 waters behind me are all different in taste and mouthfeel because it's okay. a unique fingerprint. I, I, okay, so water going through rocks and picking up different minerals, I'd argue is pretty pretty chemical. But anyway, never mind. But that that's, that's essentially the process. Right, so now you've done all that. What's the... We were launching into the difference between tap water and mineral water. So apart from the price, because actually I read somewhere that bottled water can be about as much as petrol for the same amount. But um, apart from price, what's the difference between uh, tap water and mineral water? Okay, so basically it's exactly the same as processed food and organic food. That's how you need to view it in a simplistic term. So organic food is normally dearer than processed food, and that's exactly the same thing in the world of water. So what you're paying for, um, you get what you pay for. So if you're putting premium fuel in your car, um, you, there is a difference to the way the engine runs. Now, the human body depends on water. We can live for three months without eating food, but three days without water, and we are toast. So the impact and the quality of the water has on the human body is absolutely critical. So if we start with TDS, that's the main driver with naturally occurring waters. So what's, distilled what's water, total dissolved solids. So distilled water is H2O, zero minerality in it. And the way they measure it is they take a liter of the water, they evaporate it, and the white powder left at the end is the minerality composition of that water. So distilled water, great for your car battery, because it doesn't, there's no minerality in the water, so you don't get any corrosion on the connection points, which is why it's great for electrical appliances. But it's corrosive for the human body. So distilled water, H2O, TDS, zero, nothing in it. The waters behind me range from, this is a naturally occurring water from Italy, it's a glacier water, TDS 14, extremely low in minerality because the water is a, is a chunk of ice that's melting and they've built a bottling plant at the bottom of the glacier. They're bottling it as it comes out, as, it, as it's melting, it's going straight in the bottle. So extremely low TDS. Now, seawater is 30 to 40,000 TDS. And the 30 highest 40,000 what? TDS. So that's total okay. 
dissolved solids. So if you okay. took a litre of so seawater... What's, what's the unit of that? It must have a unit. Total dissolved solids. Must If you're quoting figures... They milligrams per litre. Yeah, milligrams per litre. TDS per litre. Right. milligrams Brilliant. per litre. Everything is in milligrams per litre, unless it's trace. If it's trace, then obviously it's a lot lower. So yeah. donut MG from Slovakia, naturally occurring water. Again, TDS 15,000. So the difference between 15,000 and 14 is chalk and cheese. It's black and white. You cannot Very confuse different. the two. Completely so, different. I, I, I would have thought that the big difference would be what those minerals are. You know, you, you're talking Correct. about solids. Correct. But what are Correct. those solids? So mainly it's sodium, calcium, magnesium. They're the main bicarbonate. They're the main minerality ingredients in naturally occurring water. But there are traces and pages and pages of trace minerality in, in these waters, depending on the, what the geology is that the water's filtering through. Okay. And so, that, so those minerals, that, that, you know, whether they're traces or whether you can boil it all down and see a pile of it at the end, they make a difference in the taste. The taste, the mouthfeel, the flavour, the sensation, everything. So if we were to do a water tasting now, me and you, I'd blow your mind away in about 30 seconds with how incredible the world of water is. But it's nothing we hear about in the UK. I didn't even know this was a thing. So this is where my passion comes from, because suddenly I stumble across a spring in 2018 and discover that water is not water, which is the opposite of everything I've been told my whole life. So... Um... You're talking about different mineral waters, and actually you touched on it. You said that one is from the bottom of a glacier. Um, if it comes from a deep aquifer and bubbles up in a, in a spring, that sort of thing, what kind of differences do you find? Fantastic. Brilliant question, mate. So Vichy Catalan, TDS 3052. Deep underground aquifer, pressurised natural carbonation comes out of the source sparkling. Okay, they don't do a still version. It's sparkling because that's how the source is. Now, that to me, when I found that out, it blew me away. Naturally occurring sparkling water. I'll give you another one. Chateau 1650 from France has been bottled at the source since 1650. TDS 1800, again, natural carbonation. This water's been drunk for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Roman soldiers, Vatican, monarchs, popes. The elites have known about the importance of quality water for hundreds of years and yet we're expected to just think water's water mate and that it smells and tastes of chlorine it's patronizing and it's time we elevated and understood the importance of naturally occurring water on the human body or just water now, generally let me just ask you a, a question which um might make you squirm actually i, I don't no, know go for it i love I, it i love I, it the harder the better I, go for it well i'm not sure it's hard but i've got one of those machines that puts co2 into my tap water I get, I get fizzy water out of that and I have to say I really like it and I, I'm, I'm sure it's CO2 and I'm quite sure that what makes that water you just showed to me uh, fizzy is CO2 as well so Correct. I've got to say what's the difference so what you're drinking at home your your carbonated tap water is sausage water, man-made water, carbonated. And when it's carbonated, it, it helps with the smell of chlorine, okay? Because you, you're putting bubbles in it and, it's, and, and, and the, the smell and the taste of chlorine evaporates through that process. So it helps with the taste. But what's the difference? One's processed and one's natural and organic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do get the fact that water from the tap is different. But I, I really don't think water from the tap is a bad thing. I mean, it's a, it's a massive no, 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 no. public health wonderment. And, 
and the fact that there's chlorine in okay. it, well, actually, that does help an awful lot of people. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. If you can drink tap water and if you enjoy and you can drink it, fantastic. That's the best water for you. So when people say to me, what's the best water in the world? The best water for you is the water that you can drink and you like. And if you're drinking minimum two liters a day of it, fantastic. I have concerns with tap water. Okay? There are other concerns with tap water. If you look at, if you just, all you've got to do is Google drugs in water. So there are concerns about what's happening with hormones, HRT, contraceptive pill, antibiotics, how much of that is being filtered out? How much of that is working its way back into the water system? So when the environment agents who report that crayfish are changing sex midlife due to higher estrogen levels in water, is that something we should be aware of? Now, for well, me, that's a concern. Yeah. Well, so certainly there's, there's no question there are other, other concerns. So I, I think the whole water purification process, I mean, it was designed many years ago, um, frankly, to deal Listen, with Mike, what, what hasn't helped as well is that we privatised it. When we privatised our water companies in 1989, they were debt free. Since then, they've accumulated £79 billion worth of debt and paid out £60 billion pound in dividends. Now, Scotland and Wales didn't follow our example. They're still owned by Scotland and Wales. But we've sold our water companies off. And the people that own these water companies, if you look up the list of the people that own them it's pretty shocking so yeah i'm with you but in my opinion we need to be controlling our own water supply with a regulator that is in our interest looking out for us and not them uh, yeah i i have to say uh, in a previous life I, i'm actually i'm a chartered civil engineer so i, I spent some time uh studying this sort of thing and um, I'm, I'm i'm definitely on, on board with an awful lot uh, of, of this uh and there's a lot about water that does worry me as, as well. But having said that, um, I don't invest in mineral water at the moment. Um, so, so don't forget, maybe, in the UK, you keep on saying mineral water, but in the UK, natural, mineral and spring have the same meaning. They are controlled words. So it doesn't matter which one of those words it says. But if you see a bottle of water that doesn't say natural, mineral or spring. So here's a perfect example. Lucas yeah. Age Fit Water, Purified Water. Purified water means filter tap. Now that is what I spend a lot of my life calling out. Waters that are a con. And the whole bottled water industry in the UK is smoke and mirrors. There are people who are following regulations and doing the right thing. And there are people who aren't. And that's what I need to call out because people need to be aware. If you're going to be buying purified water, aka filter tap, you might as well do it at home. It's miles cheaper than buying the Lucasade rubbish. And it's not just Lucasade. There's loads of them doing it. So if it doesn't say natural mineral and spring, you're not but you're wasting your money. You might as well just you're be buying, drinking. You're tap. buying tap water. It, well, you could be. You could be buying anything. Another example. Okay, it's not just Lucas, eh? Marks and Spencers, mountain water. Mountain water isn't a controlled word. It could be anything legally. It could be anything. So this is rife in the industry, and this is something now that. I, my, my, my passion for is absolutely critical because people need to understand I'm organic vegetarian, gluten-free. When I go food shopping, I have an aisle of organic gluten-free food. I know what I'm buying. But when I go to the water aisle, Mike, I've got crap, crap mixed with organic, authentic stuff. And people don't know. So right. this is the message number one. Natural mineral and spring. If it doesn't say it, don't buy it. Okay. No, th this... Th <laughs> Right. I hadn't realized any of this. This is potentially, well, not potentially, this is very important. 
Thank you. Let me ask you one even more important question. Which is best when you make a cup of tea? Why? Okay. Now, we, we're a pub, believe it or not. Even the pub isn't barely open because we're in the middle of nowhere. Well, every time people come in and they, they have a cup of tea, every single time people go, well, my tea doesn't taste as good as that at home. What tea bags are they? And they go, it's not the tea bags, it's the water. But we become so conditioned. We are so gullible and we are so conditionable that we just want to do the right thing. We just want to be good. But we don't question things anymore. We just accept but actually questioning the, the quality of the water that we're drinking is a basic human right because our body depends on it. We are no different to plants. A plant will survive dehydrated. The human body will do the same thing. We will survive dehydrated. But as soon as we rehydrate, oh my God, it's a performance enhancing drug. Now, when you find a beautiful water that you can drink, what you'll notice is that you'll be eating less food. So I doubled my water intake January last year after somebody sent me a book called The Drinking Water Cure. And I read it in a day, and I'm a terrible reader normally, but I read this book in a day and I couldn't put it down. And it made me realize that I'm gonna experiment from the next day and double my water intake from two liters to four liters to see what would happen to my body. And oh my God, it's unbelievable. One of the, the, the most amazing benefits is that I've been on one meal a day since I've been on four liters a day of water, which has meant I've lost 10 kilos without trying, without any effort at all. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've always been a fitness fanatic anyway, but I'm on one meal a day. And what we need to understand is that we are trained overeaters from birth and we need to stop eating so much food, especially the processed crap, and start drinking good quality water, especially for children. So when I'm doing water tastings with families, kids pick up on the taste and the, and the sensation of water because their taste buds are so sensitive. Now, if we're giving our children chlorinated tap water, we're gonna put them off water. If we're giving our children chlorinated tap water and putting cordial in it, we're teaching our children that water is a drink not worthy of being drunk in its own right. But water is in a league of its own. Water is the holy grail. We have zero calories, zero artificial sweeteners, no dairy, no caffeine, no nothing. Just goodness for the human body. So it means it can't be compared to any other drink on the planet because we depend on it. We're made of it. Sorry, I'll take a breath there. <sighs> yeah, sorry, you 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 stunned me into silence. Okay. So what is <laughs> what is what what is really coming across is that um, you know this is not just a, a, a notion or an interest or a hobby. You know this. <laughs> This has become this is my life. life, you know, it's for better life. or for worse. And you, you kind of came across this by accident, practically. Correct. Correct. And well, certainly Correct. You've, you've opened my eyes to some quite important things. Things that... Thank you. Well, so, certainly this thing about the labels on water. Everyone should that, know this. Everybody yeah. should know this. Some things that I had kind of suspected for a while, not really looked at about tap water... But I'm, I'm, I'm still big into tap water. I do believe tap water is a good thing in that it keeps us... I agree. I'm with you. 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 I'm with um, you. But having said, having said that, there's other things going on in the background, privatization of water companies, et cetera, et cetera, which I think we need to talk a bit more about on this show. In fact, I, 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 I would really like um, to invite you back on... Um, to talk about because I've got a suspicion you are a lot more well read, know more about it than me. I might do a little more um, digging, a little bit of homework, and get you back on. I think that could be really quite. I'd love you to, but listen, there's a couple of books, mate, you need to read because this isn't my opinion, all right? This is based. 
So Dr. Batman Jalid, you can get this book on Amazon. It's your body's many cries for water. Don't treat thirst with medication. And that's what we're doing. We're living in a world, okay, and this is one of the, the big issue, in my opinion. We live in a world where, if we're being honest, there's far more profit in an unhealthy population than a healthy population. That's the sad reality of it. People make money out of our bad health. The cheapest, easiest health hack for any human being on this planet is just increasing water intake immediately. Forget about eating so much blimmin' food. We don't need it, but we're trained overeaters from birth. And we have out-controlled chimps. I don't know if you've read The Chimp Paradox, really by Professor Steve Peters. No, I you know, it's a, a brilliant book. But basically, we are trained overeaters without control chimps, and we don't understand. We are hooked on processed, highly processed, addictive food that's making us unhealthy. That much is true. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, processed food causes an awful lot of problems. Um, and, 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 the, and the people that own these processed food companies are usually connected to the healthcare side of the debate afterwards, which is scary. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I, there's an awful lot to unpick there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I could talk for hours about this. By the way, absolute yeah. no, hours no, it's and interesting. hours. Let, let's just bring it back to the water and kind of what you're talking about just now, specifically before we went off on some Sorry. very interesting tangents and tangents that I want to come back to. But if people are listening to this and thinking, "Oh, all right, water," I'd like to find out. A bit more you've mentioned a couple of books but are there any sources that people can kind of quickly go to and get a bit more info yeah my tiktok page bearded water sommelier i've got about 800 posts and all i talk about is water the impact of water the differences between waters and that's what i'll be doing for the rest of my life so yeah that's a great place to start go on my tiktok page and start from the bottom and work your way up and by the end of it you'll be a sommelier you'll understand what's going on all right brilliant Look, Doran, thank you very much indeed for chatting. Absolutely fascinating. I must admit, I was thinking, oh, I've got to talk to the water guy. That's going to be dull. But anything, anything but that. Far from it. Mate, listen, I'm the one that makes water sexy in the UK. That's my job. Make water sexy to make it appealing and so that people understand that it cannot be compared to any other beverage on the planet because there is no other beverage that compares to water because it's what we're made of. Now, if that doesn't get me passionate or get other people passionate, because this is two and two. This is common sense, and we should be learning this in school. The importance of quality water on the human body or any, even tap water. If you can drink it, go for it. Get it in you. So important. Doran, many thanks indeed for chatting. Joe Goodall and Jasmine Shembury are the co-creators, co-founders of the app Luna. I started off by asking them, what is it? What's it all about? Luna is the UK's first health and well-being app um, for teenagers, primarily menstruators aged 11 to 17. Um, we're a free app. We literally launched mid-November, so we're also pretty new. Um, and on our app, users can basically read and watch content created by our medical community on all things to do with adolescence. So things like periods, hormones, skincare, body image, friendships, the works. They can ask anonymous questions and get an expert backed response. They can access discount codes to cool brands in the sort of hair space, period space, or in the skincare space. And then last but not least, we've got our very simple period and emotion tracker, um, which basically enables teens to um, manage their emotions and start tracking their emotions and periods um, once they start it. So we're basically 
everything they need to do um, and everything they need to get in terms of information and support throughout adolescence. So that's us. Okay. So it, it sounds like it is mainly aimed at girls, but there are quite a few things in your list there which would be relevant to boys as well. Are they invited? They are very much invited. Um, in fact, as our as our parents, um, as is anyone, to be honest, um, they might just go on there and find some content that may not be particularly relevant to them. But we've definitely noticed there are definitely um, some boys on there asking questions um, and giving us feedback. So perhaps there's another opportunity in the future to launch a Luno specifically for boys and something that supports them um, in a more tailored way. Okay. So what 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 made you want to uh, start this? Yeah, it's a good question because um, we are no, neither of us are from a medical background either. So um, Jazz and I actually met back in 2020 when we went back to. Um, university to do our MBA course and as part of that course there was a project where it's called the entrepreneurship project and it was kind of the apprentice meets dragon's den so over the course of about 10 Sounds weeks a bit terrifying yeah it well it was and it was one of those sort of everyone runs around like a headless chicken a bit um for sort of 10 weeks and you form a team so there was five um, women in our team and we um you know, you had to come up with a concept, write the pitch, and then at the end of the term, pitch it to a real panel of investors who would then say, yeah, great idea, or not not, not really. Um, and so for us, we were discussing as sort of women in our late 20s and early 30s, we were discussing one night um, things that we could do for this, this coursework. But then also we kind of sort of veered off topic and we're talking a bit more about either female health issues that we were having or our friends were having perhaps they were trying for babies and you know they were being diagnosed with polycystic, polycystic ovaries um endometriosis there was like topics that you know we just weren't really that informed about as women in our late 20s and 30s and we were all quite shocked that you know between the five of us there were some things that we just never even heard about and we'd never been taught about really um right. And so the discussion kind of led to, well, you know, did we get taught about this in school? No, not really. Like it was just sort of very light touch. And that basically led us to go back to um, some schools and speak to teenagers today and say, you know, where do you get your information about health and well-being and your bodies, etc. from? And I think Jazz and I probably say we're quite lucky to have grown up in the generation that wasn't born with smartphones in their hands. And you know, we didn't have Instagram or TikTok, um, you know, when we were adolescents like they do today. And it turned out that basically they rated the sort of health education that they received in schools um, about three out of 10. And we ran this with, you know, we spoke to over a thousand teams in this survey. So it was pretty, pretty shocking, um, the sort of statistics we were getting back. And yeah, basically, they sort of said, well, instead of, you know, asking parents or teachers or doctors, we go online and we go on TikTok and we go on there and find out about information. So, you know, if you type in something like period hacks on TikTok, there's just some crazy videos that come up that tell teenagers they can stop their period by taking a shot of lime juice, salt and tagine powder. And there's videos on there that say that they can lose eight ounces if they down um, like six pints of salt water and, and just crazy, ridiculous videos on there that these right. teenagers are 
are watching and consuming on on a daily basis. So there, um, there was a real problem, or there is a real problem, with misinformation and teenagers getting crazy ideas from the internet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And when it's like topics like your health and well-being, obviously it's really, really important to to learn about that. You know, once these changes start happening to you, but learn about it from credible resources, really. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what led us really to 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 start building the app and we did it as this project but then it snowballed and then once we'd finished our course and we, we left university we yeah we decided to take it full time so um right. well you, you, was... you definitely kind of proved going through this process that there's, there's a, a need uh for it um because well so i'm a bit older than you i'm 56 and i'm thinking back to my uh school days and uh, health education, sex education, et cetera, was pretty useless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it sounds like, you know, hasn't really moved on very much and in some ways might have got worse with the introduction of, of the internet and TikTok and all, all this stuff. So, yeah, so def- definitely a need. Something you, you, you said, um, look, you know, when you were doing this MBA, you had to make a pitch and, uh, you know, show how worthwhile it was and that there was a need and lots of customers and all these this kind of um, uh, wording, particularly pitch, makes me think of uh, this is a big way to make money. Um, it doesn't seem the two don't quite sit together to me. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, but in fact, I think there is actually a strong argument for, you know, impact and profits um, coming together. And I think we're seeing lots more venture capital in the space with um, investors wanting to back mission-led um, mission-led businesses, you know, particularly across the ESG space. So whether that's sort of, you know, environmental, um, you know, social or, or governance or stuff. So um, yeah, I think actually on the flip, there is an argument for both of those things coming together. And that's actually only something we're going to see um more of in the next few years especially as um you know gen z and gen alpha are all for working for businesses which have a purpose and and wanting to do more in this space so um yeah no i think there is actually an argument for both things coming together and hopefully we'll be one of those companies that can prove exactly that um all right so i mean it it is free to use isn't it you know anyone can log on and use it absolutely yeah at the moment it's um free to use i we don't envision a time where it would be a hundred percent subscription, but we are starting to see um, very early elements of what features are very sticky, um, and you know where we might be able to monetize some different types of features. So looking towards potentially um, a premium model. So that's when everybody has you know, a, a basic level of free access, and if somebody wants extra content or extra advice, they'd have to to pay for it. Sure. But yeah, right. if you're yeah. on it through. <laughs> Well, my, my, my next question kind of stems from that, really. So if, if I if I'm just occasionally I go running. OK, so I might do a, a Google search about running shoes and try and buy some running shoes. And if, if I do that, I then get lots of ads for running shoes or running related stuff. So I, I've got a teenage daughter. You know, she's 18. So if, if my daughter was to log into this site and then start using it, I was thinking, all right, so what kind of adverts is she going to get? Yeah, it's a good question. So we're not envisaging um, ads as such. Um, so we don't want to like have 
those kind of sort of running adverts, you know, banners and stuff saying, you know, buy these shoes, buy these shoes, because you've searched for shoes. Um, we are looking, uh, obviously, with the discounts that we can offer in app, um, you know, they are of products that we um, value and also have the same values as us and we relate to and we think they'll be useful for teenagers. So teenage skin products, period products, which they would already be buying. But we would only obviously promote the, the discount code. So actually getting them money off. Um, and then the other thing that the, we're looking into is sort of um, sponsored content. So we want to partner with brands who want to offer valuable content to our audience. So whether that's, um, you know, they want to um, partner on a, on a video or um, an article about skincare and top tips to look after your skin and or exercise and, you know, um, nutrition, topics like that, um, then we would welcome those on the platform. Again, obviously, if they've been vetted by us as well. Um, but there won't be a kind of um, banner ads, shall we say, or because we think that obviously decreases from the whole user experience as well. Mm. And that's Is it not actually, what... I, I don't really know about making these things, but as, as a maker of an app, can you control the ads that pop up? Oh, yeah, completely. A hundred percent. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we have chosen that, we, you know, you, you won't see an, an ad as such um, on the platform. If you go on 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 now, um, we can change that if we want, but that's not what we plan to do. Right. OK. OK. It is one of the things that uh, the app suggests. So say if a, if a teenager or a, a girl or a boy asks a question or starts searching about, I don't know, could, could be anything, could be something that they find slightly embarrassing or slightly worrying. Does the app say, hang on a moment, have you actually tried talking to your parents about this? Yeah, it definitely does, Mike. Um, and actually, we give tips on how to talk to parents about difficult conversations. So we get quite a lot of questions in saying, you know, I feel this, but I don't know how to approach it with my parents. And so we'll share some tips on how on how to do it. Um, so, yes, we are definitely not here to replace conversations with parents or with schools or with doctors. Um, if anything, we're trying to encourage those conversations, but also mitigate any nervousness or worries that might come with it. Sure. Now, that, I think that's quite important because you, you've just kind of uh, earlier on, we, we were saying how some of these problems can get perpetuated or even enlarged by going online. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. because of misinformation. So a way to stop that is to, you know, go and talk to mum, nine times out of ten anyway. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I think on the flip, we have actually also had um, some parents reach out to us and say, oh, can you support me with having these conversations, um, you know, with my teenagers? So, yeah, I do think, well, we're hopefully trying to bridge a gap if if there is one at all. So we're trying to be helpful um, and, yeah, not a replacement tool, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that's interesting that you've had uh, parents uh, join in as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, today you're exposed to so many more things online. I'm sure they're being faced with questions which they've maybe never even heard of. <laughs> um, so might not even have the answers themselves. So I can yeah. totally understand why they might be messaging us or trying to get questions um, answered by our doctors instead. Yeah. And do, do you um, kind of vet people that log on? Like, can you can you actually confirm that? Yes, OK, this is a parent or that? Yes, this is a 16 year old girl. Um, no, in, in the sense, 
Um, we don't actually take that much personal information from people. Um, so they we ask you know for their pronouns, but they don't have to give them if they don't want to. And same with their age, um, they don't have to give that if they don't want to. Um, but there is nowhere on the platform that um, is kind of open for conversation or chat. So it's not like we have an open platform and you could have sort of you know really random people logging on and then and then you know giving their opinions and chatting it's very much your personal space your closed space and so if you ask a question it is completely anonymous you right. know we don't even we don't even know who it's who it's come from so you know when it comes to us it just literally lands in the inbox as kind of the question with no personal details attached and we also do say when people are submitting a question you know if you leave us any personal information like your name or where you live or you know anything like that then we won't answer the question because we want to keep it um we want to keep it anonymous and we want um you know people to feel that you know that we're not not sharing any information with with anyone so it does mean that yeah we can have parents come on and ask questions and sometimes they'll say in the question like oh I'm a parent of a teen and I want to ask this or I guess sometimes they might just pose as a teenager and ask the question that that they wanted to ask yeah okay no I, I'm sure that will put a lot of uh, listeners minds at rest actually because you know you hear all sorts of awful things about people hanging out in different places in the yeah evening. Oh, good. exactly right. yeah then <laughs> that's the, definitely the steer right away from that steer away from that yeah, yeah. so but the, the agony aunt part of it that sounds like it might almost be the um most useful part is that bit well used by teenagers definitely <laughs> it's definitely one of the most um popular features i think it makes young people feel heard. It makes them feel less worried or anxious, or it might give them that final nudge to finally like have a conversation with their parents, um, like you mentioned before, or go to their doctor. So yeah, that's very, very popular. But then we also sort of feed them other bits of content based on the questions they've asked, or we might recommend they start logging their emotions or their skin or their pain or whatever. So it all does tie together quite nicely in terms of the feature set. So how does how does it actually work so if if a, if my daughter okay was to log into this thing and ask a question uh about i don't know you've mentioned skincare that's a fairly innocuous subject so I'll, I'll run with that one what happens then like have you have you got a whole bank of skincare experts that answer these questions or is you know or is it you two staying up to the small hours of the morning trying to answer all these things <laughs> it's absolutely not us is it joe um we no. would not more the knowledge so as joe said we're, we're not medical we have um an amazing community of medics who sit behind us so it's currently about 20 um 20 um young women who cut across dermatology um gp women's health who are all really passionate about making sure the next generation of women get better access to health and support than than what we got ultimately um all questions do come through luna first and foremost so we do do the first um set of triage to make sure that we've not received any personal information about the user nor um nor is it a diagnostic question so if we do get anything like that is you know needs to go to a and e or you know accident and emergency or whatever we can't answer those kind of questions we only answer very agony aunt style things or very um yes or no or factual based questions so luna does the first arm of triage we then farm it out to our medical community. It will then get looked um, looked again with 
somebody from our medical community and then it all comes back via Luna to do a final a final check and um, then we push it out. So yes, whilst we aren't the ones answering the questions, Luna does have high involvement in protecting our users, um, but also, you know, making sure that every question meets our standards, basically. Yeah. Um, and then once they've got that um, answer back, like I said before, we do push them sort of um, tailored content. So if it was a skincare question, perhaps about combination skin, we might then recommend a series of articles or videos um, and hopefully, you know, discount codes in the future when we build that section out um, about combination skin as well. Okay. It sounds like you've been very fortunate getting uh, 20 um, medics, 20 people in the medical community that have time on their hands to answer these questions, considering uh, the current uh, situation with the NHS and how busy doctors yeah. seem to be just now. Definitely. Um, to be honest, we were quite surprised as well. And we actually, when we started, we didn't even know how to go about finding doctors. No, <laughs> um, I wouldn't know how to start. <laughs> no, we didn't either. Um However, it seems that many doctors or GPs um, are interested in the tech space and are looking for work, I guess, side of desk when they are out of office. Um, and so actually, we had like a lot of applications, didn't we, Joe, for our, our roles? Yeah. And we still continue to receive them now, but we pay all of our medical community. And yeah, obviously, we can't pay um, pay you know, more than what we've got on our books at the moment. So I think actually what we've seen is a demand in the field for more work in the tech space. Um, and yeah, people wanting more opportunities to do stuff um, alongside their day-to-day -day roles. Okay, oh, that's interesting. Excellent. All right, so that, you know, you had, at, at the time of asking, there was plenty of resource to find. Yes, I think we just didn't know how to go about it, but we unlocked that LinkedIn is a great, place um and twitter as well so we had a couple of friends who were medics who were happy to put shout outs for us right um and, that, and twitter really got the ball the ball rolling there as well yeah yeah so how how popular is it so far how long has it been going for and i don't know how how many questions have you had in the agony aunt section so we officially launched on the app stores in mid november um last year and we are um, around at the moment sort of 4,000 4, downloads. Um, so, so pretty popular um, and it's growing every day, which is amazing. And I think we've got over, we've had over a thousand questions in so far. So the Agony Ant section is like you say, really quite popular. Um, and yeah, one of our most used features do, do you call it Agony Aunt or am I just showing my age? Um, no, it's called Ask Luna, but it very much right. is the Agony Aunt. So it's the kind of one that you would, um, I mean, when we were teenagers, you would write into the magazines and then you might get, your answer might get sort of posted and, and um, printed in the magazine. So, um, yeah, that's what kind of I rem you know, rem remember it as. But it's a digital Agony Aunt, definitely. Oh. No, I mean, I have to say that the whole thing does sound like a, a very useful uh, thing to have. And I do like the fact that, and, and you said that, like, first of all, it suggests that the young people talk to family if they can. So I think that's a very positive thing. Yeah, 100%. And we've said all along that we want Luna to be a positive 
space um so what you know we said before about social media if you you know go down the wrong hole in social media you can get served up some really quite negative content and that really can make you spiral and especially at the age you know of of teenagers and adolescents like it's really can be quite damaging so we've always said we want to be a positive space we want to promote um positivity and just like you say speaking to family um getting them involved in sort of your your growing up journey as it were and and adolescence and hopefully helping like jazz said to kind of bridge that gap if there are if there are any not necessarily every family but um between parents and their teenagers yeah excellent all right well it does it does sound like a a useful thing so if, if people are listening to this so not only teenagers maybe parents as well and they're thinking hmm okay this might be useful for me uh how can people find it yeah, so they can, um, first port of call is probably the App Store. So we're both in the Apple and um, Google Play Store. And you just type in, we are Luna, um, and we should be the first one there. It's a nice yellow logo. You can also check out our website, which is also www.wearelunar.app, um, also on social media. So um, yeah, any teenagers listening, it's probably TikTok for them um, and Instagram as well. But all the same, we are Luna app. Excellent. All right, Joe and Jasmine, thank you very much indeed for chatting. I think people will find that useful. Thank Amazing. you. Amazing. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Doran Binder, the bearded water sommelier, Joe Goodall and Jasmine Shemry, the founders of the Lunar app. And of course, thank you to you for listening. And please do have a healthy week till next week. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.